You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Good afternoon and welcome to another live program here on Voice of Islam radio station. You're listening to myself, Safir, and uh, with me in the studio is uh, Saad. Uh, Asalaamu Alaikum, peace be upon you, Saad. How are you doing? Wa alaikum assalam, Safir. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing really good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, we have a. Uh, we have a. Uh, to our show today um, and uh, we have a very interesting topic that we're going to go through um, with the, with our guests later on as well and the uh, topic of um, the discussion today is reflection uh, models and mirrors and uh, for those of you who are wondering what we are going to discuss um, exactly stay tuned in as we obviously will explain um, our program in more details as the show goes on and uh, we'll obviously be looking at uh, role models as well as you know the impact a role model has um, on uh, people's lives, of people's careers, uh, and people's future, and what people look up to. So all of these things we'll be discussing here on Voice of Islam radio station. The number to call is if you want to um, join the program or if you want to uh, have your say on uh, role models. Maybe there is a role model that inspired you to become something or inspired you to um, you know go into a certain field um, maybe there was something that uh, you know um, that inspired you from from a person that you uh, you thought that you know this is something I want to do in my life uh, this is what what I want to achieve because of the uh, example of, of, of somebody exceptional um, and and that you know somebody who inspired you to do something. Um, so do give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 0208-8687-7878. That's uh, 0208-687-7878. That's the number to call. You can also find our number on our website, voiceofislam.co.uk. And uh, you can also listen to the radio um, on uh, live stream as well, um, as well as on DAB. And you can also send in your comments on Instagram and on Twitter as well, at voiceofislam.uk. Now, Saad, uh, if we start off with, I think for for us as as Muslims, obviously talking about role models, yes, people might have role models, different role models for different, you know, um, parts of their lives. Or you could say that people might have different role models in different fields, you know. But for us as Voice of Islam radio station, as, as we're discussing this topic, so obviously we'll go back to you know, the message of the Holy Quran. Um, obviously, Allah the Almighty, He has sent prophets over time. So the prophets are our role models. And the biggest role model for a Muslim could be not anyone except the, the Holy Prophet, Prophet Muhammad. Sallam. Peace and blessings for Allah be upon him. So let's go to, let's start off with the verse of the Holy Quran, maybe that sheds a bit more light on this. So in chapter 7, verse 182, Allah the Almighty states, and of those we have created, there are people that guide man with truth and do justice therewith we will explore this 
question more and into more depth today, Safir. Mm. Yeah, so as you mentioned, you know, um, and of those we have created, there are people that guide men with truth and with justice. Um, so I think in this verse of the Holy Quran, we we understand that there are role models um, and, and then there are role models sent by Allah the Almighty. Yes. And by God Almighty, whether you are a Christian, a Hindu, a Jew or, you know, follower of any other religion, Buddhism. What we find is that there are in the scriptures prophets, um, you know, very holy people who are role models for the followers of those religions. And even if people are not following any religion as well, some of the religious teachings from these prophets, you know, whether it's Prophet Jesus, Prophet Moses, or, or Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings so, for Allah so. be upon him, peace be upon all of these prophets. I mean, their teachings have inspired people who are not even religious. So even those people have looked up to them. Like, for example, I remember that we have talked about this on Voice of Islam many times as well, that, you know, there are many books, um, many uh, accounts of uh, of historians who have, you know, pointed out these prophets, whether it's Prophet Jesus and Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that they were exceptional role models, you know, the way that they lived their life. For example, I remember Michael Hart who, um, who compiled the book uh, Hundred Greatest People. Um, he had Prophet Muhammad, I think, on his uh, number one on his on his list in his book, and he explains that you know Prophet Muhammad was not only just a great uh, prophet; he was also a great person. He was a great uh, you know uh, family man. He was a great uh, speaker. He was a great uh, ruler. Um, and he brought about so much, you know, uh, peace and stability in his uh, his time, and inspired, you know, generations. And then, obviously, same with Prophet Jesus, um, peace be upon him as well. Like how he inspired uh, the people at his time, but also afterwards, you know, in terms of Christianity and in terms of, uh, you know, forgiveness, in terms of uh, his teaching about, um, uh, you know, uh, kindness um, and and love. And forgiveness, that's something that even today, when obviously there's been such a long time uh, with, with Christianity has obviously gone through, but still those teachings um, in, in different forms have inspired people. You know, people, Prophet Jesus is an inspiration to, to other people as well today. And same with other prophets as well. There's, uh, you know, so much inspiration that people get from their teachings. Um so we're talking about that, uh, but we're asking you as well, who do you look up to, why, and who has made you who you are today? Uh, we know that role models are around from the day we are born, you know, starting with parents and then siblings, relatives, teachers, um, other people in the society that might, you know, influence somebody. But what we follow um, and who we follow shapes us as human beings as well. So making us, um, you know, kind of reflections of those role models. If we want to become someone, then we will have to try to mirror their character. And how true a mirror of your role model are you? That's the question we're asking you. Who do you look up to? Who inspired you to become um, who you are today um, or who you want to be in the future? That's the questions we're asking you. You can uh, call us 0208-687-7878. You can also tweet at uh, Voice of Islam UK. 
if you wish to send in your comments. I mean, we have talked about the religious, uh, touched upon obviously that these prophets of God were the yes. best examples, the best role models anybody could wish for because that's why, you know, God sent them over the many uh, thousands of years. And in fact, we learn from the Islamic teachings that there were thousands of prophets sent, you know. So those essentially thousands of role models over the history of mankind to guide people. And they gave them moral teachings. They told them to stay away from evil and turn towards goodness, all of these things. However, there are also role models of different kinds, role models of, uh, of, of our today's world as well. I mean, especially because now recently we obviously know that the passing away of Her Majesty the Queen and for a lot of people, you know, she was the role model for uh, patience, uh, you know, steadfastness, you know, doing her duty with diligence and serving mankind, serving people, serving her, uh, you know, um, her people. So that is why we see that there's been so much respect paid to her as well. And even the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, I mean, um, I know during this week, up and down the country, um, in our branches, in our mosques, we've had programs where we have commemorated and, you know, uh, remembered the Queen and her services and paid tribute and also, you know, prayed for her um, and, and, and the royal family. So, again, that's one kind of, obviously, role model as well that, that people look up to. And certainly when it comes to, uh, you know, her service, that's, you know, very commendable and something that we as Muslims, as Ahmadi Muslims, certainly are really, you know, uh, grateful for that she has been working so hard for religious freedom, for peace, uh, for bringing people together. So that that's, you know, that's relevant because we've just, you know, uh, gone through and we're just going through the uh, passing away of the Queen. So, Saad, anything you would like to add? Yes, of course. Um, Safir, when I was younger, you know, when you asked the question, who is your role model, right? Yeah. To the audience. Yeah. And I would kindly suggest to the audience also let us know who your role models are. I just, something clicked in my mind. My role model when I was younger was my father. It was because we went to Switzerland, right? I'm an eight, nine-year-old kid. My dad can use a navigation, can use a phone. But he told me, Saad, we are going here, find the route. Mm. A eight-year-old kid given this kind of um, problem responsibility, solving, responsibility, yes. responsibility yeah. To map out the route for my father, I was like, okay, I will do it, but it's quickly to do it, right? I was to do it. Yeah. And I said, Abu, uh, my father, here you go. This is the map. We're going, this is going to take us about five hours, and this is the route. Right. And my father giving me these kind of small problems to solve, right? This helped me to become the person I am today. That confidence. confidence to, yeah. to think about, to ex especially explore. So because of that situation, I've been to Egypt now, Turkey by myself, and I was able to go there by myself without any guidance from anyone. And uh, asking, uh, what age did you go by yourself? I was uh, in my third year, I think. Of no age, age wise. Age wise, I was twenty, uh, eighteen, or less than that, okay. roughly that age, okay. eighteen, twenty, and I went by myself going to Egypt or Turkey by yourself. Yeah. It's a big step. Yes, of course. And uh, I mean, that confidence certainly was given by your father. To father, you, that, exactly. You, know, you, so can, you can navigate your, you know, for yourself. And yeah, I think for a lot of people, that's that's very interesting that you mentioned that point because for a lot of people, the first role models are obviously their parents. Yes. And that's how crucial 
you know the role of parents are in the lives of their children i mean how how they are shaped then uh, obviously we know if there is a stable home where the f- mother and father you know give proper education and proper uh environment for the kids to grow in then then that will will certainly make a very positive impact however if the if the home or the household is such that you know it's it's uh, it's a unhealthy relationship or unsuitable for the for the person then that also affects their future correct so even sorry i'm cutting you yeah. short with this you know even social media sometimes we you, youngsters especially yeah. they look up to these role models yeah. which are influencers we call them such yeah. nowadays yeah they're scrolling through them they think okay these are the people we have to be like yeah. these are the people we have to follow yeah but when you see them actually sometimes they are wearing fake brands or they their trips are sponsored and we think could okay, be a misleading could life could be a misleading yeah. life exactly and we could be thinking oh they have this such money they can afford these kind of stuff but actually they're all sponsored yeah. or fake you know what we're going to come back to that because that's okay. a, that's a very big and important topic especially yes. for 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 youngsters and the young generation obviously very much uh, in the social media world so we're going to come to that but let's go first to um our first guest we have uh, Maria Ingri Olsen uh with us who's associate professor uh from Inland School of Business and Social Sciences in uh, Norway um and uh, Maria is joining us um hi you're welcome to uh, Voice of Islam Maria how are you doing Hello hi thank you so much for having me i'm doing really well Thank you very much i'm a Norwegian myself i uh, i i actually moved here long time ago um uh, from Norway and um, started working here so it's always good to oh. connect with the uh, fellow Norwegians hope to hear you Det har det väldigt bra. Oh, okay, yeah. brilliant. I'm actually Swedish, but I do work in Norway. Oh, okay. So. All right. Same mm. thing. Same thing. <laughs> All right. Almost, uh, almost yes. Um <laughs> right. Uh so Maria, the, the, the wanted to ask you obviously because we're talking about role models. Um mm-hmm. to what extent are gender stereotypes still shaping who um girls look up to and uh, who boys are looking up to and is this different um from from boys and girls yeah so um what i would say is that gender stereotypes are certainly still shaping both girls and boys aspirations so you know in psychological literature we see gender stereotypes as sort of byproducts of normal cognitive processing so they tend to originate in uh, the social or occupational roles that women and men occupy mm. so because we see uh, predominantly women in caring roles we tend to develop the stereotype that women are naturally more caring than men and vice versa because we observe predominantly men in certain occupational roles for example in technology and engineering we developed the stereotypes that men are naturally more competent at technology so this gender segregation in social roles or occupational roles that we see um can influence boys and girls in two ways and one way is by children internalizing these stereotypes so 
Research shows, for example, that stereotypes about brilliance is something that develops very early on at around six years of age. And what we tend to see at this time is that boys and girls uh, or that girls, they start to shy away from activities that are associated with being really, really brilliant, right? Um, So what this suggests is that girls, um, is that these stereotypes, these gender stereotypes, they become self-fulfilling prophecies as girls start to internalize these stereotypes. And the other way in which gender roles can influence boys and girls is that they give rise to norms about what are appropriate behaviors for boys and girls to engage in. So um, gender segregation, gender roles, it obviously varies across countries. But uh, for example, in Norway, which is where I work, women are equally represented in paid work and women tend to pursue careers. But at the same time, women, they tend to take very long uh, parental leave when they have children, so typically over one year. Mm. So uh, on that basis, young Norwegian girls, they look up to and they try to emulate women who combine pursuing a career with childcare. Whereas Norwegian boys, on the other hand, they observe that men in their society take shorter leave uh, to care for their children. And related to that, we see that young Norwegian boys do not aspire as much towards these caring roles as Norwegian girls do. Thank you, Maria. Um, Maria, quick question um, regarding, you know, you just mentioned it's sometimes difficult for a woman to go into um, some occupations like technology or, and all these career paths. But what other government initiatives taking place and which have been successful that a woman has come and has um, um, occupied in a male-dominated workplace? Yeah, so there are many government initiatives um, all over the world, but it's really hard to say um, which initiatives have been successful because they don't tend to ever be evaluated. So instead, they are often uh, presumed to work based on these classical learning theories, which postulates that children emulate models in their immediate environment. And, And so the fact that many of these interventions are not properly evaluated is, of course, very problematic because they often cost a lot of money to implement um Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is important that we are able to, um, w- one thing that we need to do is that we need to start evaluating the effect of these initiatives. But uh, what we can do, of course, is to look at empirical research to get some kind of insights into which governmental um, initiatives will be most successful. And basically what research is telling us is that role model initiatives, they tend to have very modest, if any, effect. So Mm -hmm. they don't tend to be very successful. 
And one thing that is becoming very clear to us who study causes of gender segregation in the labor market, um, especially with a focus on women's underrepresentation in STEM, is that initiatives need to not only focus on gender roles at work, they also need to address gender roles in the home. Mm. Uh, so we have studies showing that after exposure to a counter-stereotypical role model, for example, uh, girls tend to have the attitude that uh, women can pursue high-status work, women can uh, go into STEM, but they don't necessarily want to do that themselves. And one of the reasons for that is because they perceive it to be incompatible with um, gender role expectations in the domestic sphere. So taking care of children, um, taking care of a home may not be perceived as being compatible with pursuing a career. And especially then if girls are perceived uh, or they expect to have the majority of responsibility for housework and child care. So what that means is that unless these governmental initiatives also start to address gender roles, expectations in the home, I do not think that we will see a dramatic increase of women in these STEM roles. So it's really important to also focus on uh, boys in order to achieve equality for girls. Mm. It's quite interesting because I think people often don't realize how much effort and time goes into obviously uh, being a mother and uh, you know mm. t- t- taking care of that that role which obviously is naturally more suited to to a woman and, and sometimes I think that you know in our society you know unfortunately it becomes at times a, a, a kind of a competition between you know men and women whether it shouldn't be because there there, there is no competition it's rather it should be a you know, uh, um, uh, when you when we talk about role models specifically, because you know, mm-hmm. for 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 a man, of, co- of course, you know, it's the role models are going to be different for 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 girls. The role models are going to be slightly different as well. But it doesn't mean one role model is less valuable or ve- uh, you know less in in status than, than the other. It's just that you know, as you mentioned, that you know there there is different um, responsibilities in in life that. That that is part and parcel of uh, of a of of a of a household, and once that you know, once we we get of get out of that thing of making this a competition between men and women, and rather realize that this is actually a a, a teamwork and a support environment, then then that mm-hmm. would be a greater way for for the young generation to look up to the mothers as well as fathers, and and looking at that from that perspective, that yeah, okay, you know, th- this is great uh, role model this is also a great role model right mhm mhm yeah absolutely and w- one thing that we do see in the literature is that um girls who um have uh career aspirations they tend to um prefer um men who are more family oriented so this is actually a very real uh, factor into women's um, career pursuit that unless they can have a more or less equal share of housework and childcare with their male partner, they don't tend to pursue high status careers. 
And of course, there is a lot of benefits for men as well to um, <clears throat> spend more time on childcare and housework. I mean, it is a very rewarding um, job and can have a huge positive impact on men's mental health. Mm. All right, brilliant. Uh, Maria Ingrid Olsen, thank you very much for taking our time to speak to us. Uh, really appreciate your time and coming on to our radio station. All the best to you and your work. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you very you. much for having me. Thank Have a good you. day. Bye. 020-867-7878 is the number to call. You can also tweet at uh, Voice of Islam UK if you wish to send in your comments or if there's anything you would like to uh, share with us. Of course, I mean, we're asking you um, who is your role model? Who do you look up to? Why is that? Who has made you uh, what you are today? Who has inspired you to try to become someone? That, that's that's the question we're asking. So, Sophie, uh, it was nice talking to Maria. Mm. And some points which came across was one of them was we should make a change at our homes for boys and girls. So one thing is education. So we should educate our women and our men at both at the same time so they can change this world and going forward from there if, if the man doesn't know what's happening mm. how can they help other people out or if the woman doesn't know what's happening how can she help out other people yeah I think that's that's one thing that people have misconceptions about right yes for example if we talk about Muslims people think that in Islam education is mostly just for men it, it can't be far away from the, you know from the truth because the truth is that you know Education is compulsory. It's not an option. It's compulsory. It's cool. in Islam. If, even if you have to go to China, yeah. saying the probably profit. If you have, yeah. even have to go to China, go and travel educate. far and apart. Education is compulsory for men and women in Islam. So it's not just an option. It's an ob obligation that you have to. And it doesn't mean that you have to go to university or you have to pay huge sums of money to get education. Learning anything, you know, whether it's learning um, in different environments, whether it's learning theoretically or in practice. However, if you can afford it, if you can't afford it, you can always try your best to, you know, gain education, whether you sometimes even have to make difficult choices and, you know, make some sacrifices. Education is key. And uh, and that's what Islam has always emphasized for Indeed. both men and women. Nowadays, especially, you have you have this whole technology, you have your yeah. laptop open, just have to write, type down the keywords and that's it. You can yes. find out all the information about it. Exactly, it's a unlimited education um, on the internet as well. Also, you know, free mostly for people to uh, to benefit from. Um, and then, obviously, when we talk about good and bad role models, of course, there's a whole topic that we can discuss in politics that I don't really want to go into because yes, we have course. talked about politics a lot. Um, and of course, there's for many people, you know, there's there's role models that should be good role models, whereas you know, people think that politicians necessarily aren't always the best role models. Like, for example, obviously, things that have happened here in politics in the past with, with obviously, you know, during the pandemic, uh, accusations of parties going on um, at the very top, you know, and, th and things like that. So that also pits, puts people off. And I think that for a whole society, that becomes a problem because when people are seeing that, you know, our leaders or politicians are doing such and such things which were illegal or not allowed for the rest of the public and then they think okay you know if they were doing it then we can do whatever we can break the law it doesn't matter you know so I think being a good role model especially if you have a huge responsibility or are a person in authority it becomes even more and more uh, important
um, that we are going to look at um, different kinds of um, you know way people um, you know f- find or identify their role models. But before we go on to that, let's talk to our next guest. We have uh, uh, Dede Foley um, who is joining us. I hope I pronounced the name uh, correctly. Please correct me uh, if I'm wrong. Good afternoon, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Oh, good afternoon, and thank you for inviting me to come along. You're welcome. Uh, Didi, you are um, Health and Wellbeing Manager at the uh, Bridge Gym for Women. Um, how's uh, how's your uh, work and business going? Oh, yes, very well, actually. Yeah, very, very good. After the uh, pandemic, everything really picked up for us, so it's going brilliantly. Okay, fantastic. Um, in in what sense would you say that um, you know your gym or your uh, fitness uh, business um, caters for for women, and, and what kind of uh, you know environment do you do you, do you have? Okay, so uh, with regards to catering for women, we make our gym affordable, keeping our rates low, so we can allow for um, women of all different backgrounds to be able to come to our gym. Um, so we have concessory me- memberships and short memberships. Um, with regards to the gym itself, um, actually we've got a really, really good gym. Um, we've got a, we would we would call it a state of gym. So recently, over the uh, lockdown, we completely refurbished the gym, and we took away all of the uh, big equipment that we had, and we put up a rig and brought more free weights in. And actually this came about from feedback from our members, which was, I mean, for us, that's a fantastic thing. And it was a fantastic thing that we were able to do that for our members. Mm. All right, fantastic, sounds really good. Um, you, you had a life project. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that, um, what it encourages and uh, what is it that you know uh, people look up to when, when they uh, want to join a program like that? Yes, so um, this was this was a free project for women that ran for three months, twice a week, and it was based on sort of older women, but we also have a little bit of flexibility when we run our projects when it comes to age. Um, we run, obviously, other projects as well for different groups. Um, so it was really to have fun, shatter age stereotypes, you know, to let women know that health, yeah, their health and fitness journey shouldn't be stopped at a certain age. It was about connecting with um, other people. It was about connecting with your body, about building confidence. Um, we gave free gym membership at the end of that project as well. And that, actually, that has been really um, a successful project for us because a lot of the women that took part in that project are still coming to the gym and to our classes today. Thank you. Didi, you know, all this... But um, all this work you're doing, building a support network for everyone, how do you encourage women especially to become more active in this part um, of active of sports or activities? Okay, so um, encouraging women to become more active obviously is very, very important. And through having a women-only gym um, is an encouragement in itself. Um, also, because of the projects that we run, uh, people are coming to our organisation who probably, you know, wouldn't go to, you know, a gym or, or, or any sort of health sort of fitness place. Um, 
So coming along, it opens up the environment to them. They get to meet the people that are in there. They, but, you know, there's a real lot of teamwork that happens at the bridge and everybody comes together. And mm -hmm. that in itself encourages women because they are meeting, you know, lots of different members of staff. Um, because there are two million fewer women than men playing sport, um, you know, trying to encourage more women to become active uh, is really, really important. And also to break those barriers down uh, with, with funding, body confidence, you know, women with childcare, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's really, really important to, to build a support network and encourage women to become more active. Thank you. And... You know, you mentioned all about the projects and everything. Do you have a project running called Elevate Project uh, after the pandemic? Um, can you explain this a bit more for the audience? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, this was a lovely project um, that we did. And I was very much actually involved in this project. Um, so with the Elevate Project, um, what basically happened was when we opened up after the pandemic, um, we had a lot of our young uh, members coming up to um, mm -hmm. one of our PT, Sam. Uh, a lot of the university students saying that they were really lonely, they were struggling to get back to training, they had increased anxiety, loss of confidence, um, not able to train, and struggling to study. So we kind of saw an opening there to look at getting funding um, to set up the Elevate project. Um, and run that again. Most of our projects run for three months, run that for this age group. Um, we had incredibly good feedback um, from that project. And that basically that project um, was one day a week. And how that run was, we always started with an element of fitness. And um, we ran with a sort of element of 10 uh, This Girl Can classes, which involved mm -hmm. fitness, a bit of yoga, some high intensity work. But we also threw in uh, a boxing session and we threw in a resistance training session. Um, and after that, uh, the women would come downstairs to our cafe. We would have a half an hour chat. Uh, we gave them lunch. And that was a time for us to sit around to talk about the things that they, that they as a group might want to talk about it, uh, want to talk about. Uh, as like the other project, we also gave them three months membership and what came from that was they asked for a boxing um, session to to happen. So we now got a WhatsApp group for all the women that were on that group that were attending the boxing as well. Um, and we always do like the feedback forms at the end and it's made an incredible difference to their life. We lost so many of them when they had to do their exams, so that was a really good sign. Uh, but they came straight back to us after the exam, so uh, we knew we were doing a good job. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> right. So I guess you're a you, you're a role model for for a lot of people then who want to become healthy. Uh, well, I think it's really important to be yourself in life, and when you work in an environment that your job is to encourage people and guide them, I think you do become a role model to some people. And, you know, that does come with a responsibility because you know that people are looking up to you. Um, it's all about setting good examples and inspiring people. I've been working in the fitness industry a very long time, and before that I was a coach in, coaching tennis. I've worked with children for the age of two, uh, all the way up to adults for the age of 80. So, yeah, I, I, I suppose that, you know, some people will see you as a role model. And, and you know, I, I think that's a good thing if it... If it, if it um, make someone's life 
better if they look at you and they think, you know, I, I want to do the things that Dee Dee's doing or I'd like to learn how to lift weights or, you know, be able to be as active or stuff like that. Um, you know, anybody can do that. You know, that's not everybody can do that. Mm. And um, so maybe if they're looking up to me at the beginning, I hope then they become a role model to themselves or they're a role model to other people. Mm. Um, you know, at 55 years of age, I'm, I'm really, really active. And when you're working with, like, the Life Project, which was older women, um, yeah, I'd like to think that I was a bit of a role model to them and for them to know, you know what, it doesn't matter what age you are, you are capable of doing anything you want to do. And we, ha yeah, as I said, in all the projects we run, all the women that come into our gym, all our team, you know, great role models um, to, to our members. So, yeah, um, if you're a good role model, then, yeah, we'll all take that. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that I, people can agree with that. I think it's great that you're doing that and you're also providing that, you know, the the kind of uh, safe and comfortable environment as well for for women only so they can be you know comfortable doing um the you know their uh, exercises and uh, uh working out so that's that's great to hear uh thank you very much uh, Didi for joining us and um i think you motivated us a little bit as well yes of course <laughs> we'll go back and uh, uh, do some exercise much. afterwards <laughs> okay bye all right thank you, bye. take care bye bye Th that is quite true isn't it i mean yes when you see your friends or you know uh, people around you um, being active and that can inspire you as well especially you know the bridge the gym right um, Didi said it's affordable and it's a safe haven haven for women mm. so women are encouraged automatically to go there mm. and work out without having someone looking at them or anything or made me made them feel intimidated mm. and especially you know they have like boxing sessions yoga they are two different extremes of sports right mm. yoga is for calmness relaxing and boxing for aggression and everything to get and yourself boxing out boxing can be for calmness as well <laughs> if you want Could to be. let your stress out you indeed <laughs> and then especially after all these activities they have yeah. they have half an hour session just talking speaking with them in a cafeteria and that helps young students who are feeling lonely and um, elevate them again to okay there's someone there to speak to mm. you can go up to the bridge and you have someone uh, in a safe place to talk yeah, about you know what I mean this reminds me of another teaching of Islam right I mean the reason why we, we plug in you know the, the things uh, here obviously is Voice of Islam Radio and we we understand and we see from all of these conversations that we have that we find solutions to these things in the Islamic Correct. teaching and one saying is that obviously that uh, the Prophet said that you know a believer who is strong is better than a believer who is weak so it does not mean that you know a weak believer has you know some that they cannot uh, pray or their prayers would not be accepted they are not good people what it means is that you know you should try to be strong you know try to physically look after your body um you know so that you can pray better so you can focus better and of course we know this from a fact you know we've done so many programs where we talked about health and fitness the fact is that if you are in a good shape or if you are looking after your health you know I'm not just saying exercise but if you're eating you know moderately you know having good diet you know balanced diet if you are working out you know you, you're walking you know playing or running or doing whatever but you're doing some sort of exercise that keeps your you know blood flowing and keeps you healthy 
it helps you focus better it helps you you know doing your responsibilities better and it helps you worship better as well yes of course Sophie just remember something you said healthy eating right so there's one diet for your body yeah. and there's one diet for your spirituality yeah. that's prayers re- remembering Allah the Almighty mm. we should also combine these two if you have if you're eating good clean keeping yourself like having a nice shower mm. chilling and everything and you have spiritual on the other side side by side hand, hand to hand hand in hand sorry and if they if they're going together why not it would yeah. be such a lovely you know book exactly yeah I mean look if we look at we talk about role models again the holy prophet yes. Muhammad peace and blessings for Allah be upon him you know would we find uh, in, in at, at his time that he used to you know uh, walk on foot for, for, for many many miles you know he, he used to run you know he used to uh, he used to climb you know he, literally um, you know the, the, the mountain uh, surrounding Mecca where he was uh, based in the beginning where he used to live in the beginning he used to climb that mountain hike up that mountain which is quite you know uh, difficult and strenuous and he used to hike up that mountain and go up there and, and pray in seclusion so not only that I mean he used to run with his wife as well you know uh, as, as a part of fun and just you know uh, enjoying the, the that moment and, and we find that he he his balance his diet also was very balanced and sometimes he would eat very little which again uh, you know contributed to his good health and I think again that's the lifestyle that Islam wants us to to adopt where we look after not only our soul but also our physical uh, you know health as well because there's a very interesting book written by the Promised Messiah, the, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Ahmad, peace be upon him. It's called The Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam. And in this book, in that book, the Promised Messiah has explained that your physical state has a say on your spiritual state. So if you are going to, to be unfit and, uh, you know, if you are, uh, whatever you eat, however you treat your physical body, that affects your spiritual body as well. So those things that you mentioned go hand in hand, they do go hand in hand. And once you try to take care of your health, then it also helps you, you know, focus on your spirituality much better. Um, All right. Um, Let's speak to our next guest. We have um, with us uh, Farhana Begum, uh, who's joining us, operations manager at The Future First. Good afternoon, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show here on Voice of Islam Radio Station. Farana, how are you? Assalamualaikum. Um, I'm very well, thank you. You? Walaikum Islam. Yes, Jazakallah. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, why do firms want to get involved uh, with your work at Future First? And also tell us a little bit about Future First. What is it? Um, and and um, what, what do you do? Great. So I'm the operations manager at Future First. And just to give you a a bit of a brief understanding of what our charity does. Um, so Future First is the only UK education charity connecting secondary schools and colleges to former students. And our mission is basically to see that every state school and college is supported by a thriving alumni community. And in short, basically, we use the experiences of past pupils, so alumni, to support the community in tackling some of the challenges that young people face um, when considering their options and, and, and thinking about the world of work. 
So really using the experiences of past pupils to motivate and inspire the new generation of talent. Mm-hmm. Okay, brilliant. So Rana, you said it's about connecting students and with um, employers. Can, can you tell us what's the benefits of these meetings um, when you meet your employers um, on this one-day event? So um, a part of our work is we work with schools to deliver really inspiring workshops mm-hmm. where we bring in past students and ask them to inspire the current students with their life choices, their experiences, what's worked well, what hasn't. But also we're developing more and more relationships with businesses. Um, and one of our key offers to firms is, you know, support our young people by showcasing by, or delivering an insight day with us. And um, the, re- the way the students benefit from that is actually it really gives them a meaningful encounter with the employer. A lot of our young people come from different backgrounds, uh, a lack of networks. And by working with these four firms that want to give back to the community, mm-hmm. we're able to really give them a true insight about what their life looks like so that they can actually aspire to, to be successful leaders and to, to work in sectors and, and roles that they pos- possibly once um, imagined that you know wasn't for them. But actually, we're trying to show them that there's full potential um, in, in their abilities Um, so these insight days really make a difference. And, uh, you know, recently we delivered an insight day with a foreign exchange industry and we took a group of young people uh, into central London and the student impact was huge. All of the students basically agreed that they had a better understanding of the FX industry. And, and, and to be fair, for a 15-year-old, understanding the financial sector, understanding what FX means is, mm-hmm. you know, is a minefield. So... Um, all of the students felt like they better, they understood the sector better. Um, 80% of our students who went to this particular Insight Day felt that they spoke to someone in a job that they'd like to be in in the future. And that's exactly the type of impact we want to make. We know that these young people don't have the networks and we're trying to bridge that gap with some of the uh, business leaders that, that we're in connection with. Um, and also, it's a benefit to the employers themselves. You know, more and more employers and businesses are thinking about what is their responsibility to the community. You know, th- there's something called ESG. I'm not sure if you're aware of, but no. ESG basically means environment, social and governance. And every big firm has a responsibility to give back in some shape or form um, in those areas. So mm-hmm. because of that drive to be responsible in business, not just to think about profit, but what is it that we can give back to our staff? What is it that we can give back to the community? We're finding that more firms are interested to really support local talent. Mm. Thank you, Farhana. You know, all these are physical events. You know, we have many young people who are always online on the phones or laptops. What kind of online mentoring sessions do you have and how effective are they? So, yeah, very good question. So, obviously, during the pandemic, that created a lot of uncertainty and instability for our students. And we realized that actually, you know, virtual interactions was as important. So, our mentoring provides students with an opportunity to connect with mentors mm-hmm. um, from a range of different roles and sectors on a one-to-one basis and, and receive their the support. Um, and based on the students' interests and goals, like mentors are matched to the students' needs and, and students are able to also choose for themselves who they want as their mentors. And the success of the program has been huge. We're still continuing it. But, uh, you know, 
recently we had uh, a young student say she she feels a lot more confident in knowing um, how to be prepared for the world of work. She is able to speak to her mentor and ask questions and be curious and feels better prepared for life after school. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, finally, um, could you tell us how your new Future First hub is going to help students in their uh, pursuit of careers? Yes. Um, so the new Future First hub is this new ambitious platform. It's a community platform that we've built and it offers a safe space for schools, alumni and students and the community to come together online. And we want the Future First hub to raise students' aspirations um, by showcasing the kind of lived experiences of past students, successful leaders in the community. What did they do to become a successful graphic designer? What did they study? What were their learning experiences? We've got some really inspiring motivational content that we're trying to build. We're using our relationships with employers to, to grow that piece of work. But it's it's a space that hopefully will support the ambitions of the young students that we have um, at our schools so that they can get a bit more of an insight on on their options. I think sometimes life feels quite limited depending on also the kind of backgrounds that you're from, the, as I said, the lack of the networks that you have and the lack of networks for some young people. The Future First Hub is supposed to open many doors about the possibilities um, and the experiences that they can learn from and it's a shared community platform. Mm. All right, brilliant. Well, uh, good luck uh, with uh, with your work, Farana. Thank you very much for joining us and uh, for speaking to us here on Voice Islam. Great to have you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Take care. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call. You can also tweet at uh, Voice of Islam UK. I mean, these kind of programs, uh, whether it's um, you know uh, privately done, you know through tutoring or through guidance uh, from, uh, you know, um, different organization or whether there is like, you know, a different big events as well. We have always obviously career fair affairs that happen as well. Um, it's it's also quite a big inspiration and motivation for people to see um, what they want to do, um, you know, something to help them get to their goals in life yes these are the, these are the role models mm. which affect you in a day-to-day life yeah you have some role models which are big names ronaldo messi even cricket you have i'm just gonna mention pakistan yeah. names because I, i'm from pakistan so I'm like babar azam rizwan ahmed these are big names in the um, perspective spo- sports mm. and then you have these heroes you have maria dd farhana who are helping um students young youth old people also at the same time these are role models for them on a day-to-day life yeah and as you mentioned obviously some names of of, of people in sport but then again sports is not for everybody some yes. people might be following their role models in sport might some people might be interested in um, technology in or technology something. or in uh, you know in other aspects of life which uh, which obviously is great i mean as long as people are uh getting good good education they are developing themselves and yes. um you know uh, and and then obviously contributing to the society as you know uh farana also mentioned that you know th- that that in- incentive also for for businesses that they only don't look for just business and profit 
but also look at what they give back to their staff, what they give back to the local communities. So I think that's really, really important uh, because that is the aspect of not being selfish, of of uh, helping other people. And that's ex- exactly what, you know, the Islamic teachings also uh, encourages us to, uh, to, to work towards whether we, that we fulfill the rights of people. So we should work towards eliminating poverty, for example, in the world and not just looking at, you know, getting huge profits so that's something that um that we i think we need this kind of mentality today especially in this part of the developed world where we are seeing increasingly a huge gap between the wealthy and, and the poor even here you know and then not only in this uh, in these countries but if you look at you know the poorer countries that that is just a huge difference there is a lack of education. There is a lack of uh, quality investment. There is a lack of, you know, uh, opportunities. So, Islam has uh, said that you should, you know, you should you should work towards the betterment of mankind, and Allah the Almighty obviously blesses you when you do that. And we see with the role model of the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings yes, for Allah be upon him, the Muslims uh, at that time. Also, what we find in the Islamic teaching is that if you if you do, you know gain good good education you do work hard and you do get to a stage where you reach your goal or you come close to that uh, you can still uh, spend your life helping as well other people and you know giving opportunities to other people not only is that a a good deed to do but also it's rewarding for yourself that you've helped somebody as well to um to to you have inspired somebody to achieve something higher than what they could so that in itself is a reward as well so that is something that we learn from the islamic teaching um we're going to um continue on um, looking at uh, role models and uh, the um, inspirations that uh, guide people towards uh, their careers as well as well as what they look up to later on in the show but we're coming up towards our news in uh, a couple of minutes uh, join us after the news as we continue here on voice of islam talking about motivation uh, inspiration and role models you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Voice of Islam Radio station. You're listening to myself, uh, Safir and uh, Saad here in the studio. We were talking to our guests as we were discussing role models and uh, mirroring and motivation. Uh, motivation and modeling. I mean, another important feature of our choice in role models that we look up to and try to follow comes from within uh, and that is motivation uh, and motivation could be positive um, reward based or negative punishment based let's have an example of a negative motivation that could be that we don't drive without seat belts or we try to keep you know following the uh, the rules because we fear that we would be fined if we break those rules so that is a negative 
um, motivation. And a positive motivation would be to look up to certain, you know, successful people, whether it's, you know, different careers, doctors, lawyers, or other successful people in different uh, jobs or fields, um, and um, show their children um, working hard at school um, and uh, making sure that, you know, your children are working hard um, and uh, putting effort in so that they can also have a wonderful future and career career like them. So that is the positive motivation. Uh, but if the only role models children see are um, parents struggling or maybe parents on low income, uh, living hand to mouth, struggling, children may not be as motivated to do any more than that. The thing is that in statistics, we find that seven out of eight children from low-income household continue to mirror that lifestyle as adults. Aspirations also decline as children grow older. 74% of six-year-olds believe that people like me will be successful, but this figure falls to below 50% of a 15-year-olds. This is where employers and corporations have a role to play to raise the aspirations of younger generation. And obviously, when we're talking about poor uh, families, poor people, um, that they would 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 uh, uh, according to the statistics, the children might uh, mirror that lifestyle. Um, it, it's 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 a concern because then you won't get the uh, that section of society out of uh, out of poverty and out of that situation. However, I would say that. There are many cases where people or children coming from poorer backgrounds have been highly motivated not to go back to those struggles and they work really hard and become extremely successful as yes, well. Yes, Sophia, you know, there are some key factors there. Mm. That's your parents, first of all, your siblings, your society where you're based, your surroundings where you live. All these key factors have an effect on you. Mm. If you see what's happening around you and you become a part of them, then you can't get out get out from that area, mm. right? So we have to always try. The key is still education, here, mm. Safir. If we educate ourselves, our ch- children, our siblings, or even our parents sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. Then we can get out from this no- a notion where we are still stuck sometimes. Oh, this person is still here. Okay, he will stay here. But if that person was saying these kind of words pushes and motivates them no you can Sophie, you can do this right go ahead that's your life go ahead you motivate them push them then can they can excel I don't know with boundary hands yes. nobody knows no absolutely I think there's there's a lot of people who have come from poorer countries and um, you know whatever the reason might be persecution might be you know uh, just just uh, to, to have a better life and, and they have worked hard and uh, and and actually made big changes become very very successful we have you know thousands of examples here in this country so i think the motivation as you mentioned comes from parents yes and then it also comes within yourself that if you realize that you need to do something about your future if you want to change uh, the situation that you're in then you have to work hard and then you have to you know um, do take the necessary steps to achieve your goals and I think but that can be difficult uh, in certain environments and I think 
The reason why I mentioned that those statistics, that seven out of eight children from low-income households continue to mirror that lifestyle as adults, could be one, that their parents never really uh, focused on, on, on their future. And it could also be that the authorities or, or, you know, because they also have a responsibility, the authorities, the councils, the, the government has a responsibility to uplift that community which is struggling. Yes. And that comes with focus, that comes with investing, that comes with giving them opportunities to excel. That's exactly what Farhana was talking about yeah. from, I believe, Future First. Mm. We, they have all successful people or someone who's working in that industry come out, speak to these youngers, young st- students and tell them, okay, these were my mistakes, don't follow these. Mm. Try to make your own mistakes, basically, <laughs> this time <laughs> around. So you can just avoid yeah, these so ones. You learn, yes. Obviously, you, you, yeah. have to, you have to make mistakes mm. to learn. It's not like, okay, he's telling you one way, okay, this is the correct way. You have to make some mistakes yeah. to learn from them. And the reason I said about investment and, and the responsibility of the government as well is that, you know, for example, there are probably many deprived areas here in the UK which need attention. Yes. And it's not like the people don't have the capacity to grow and, and become successful, but it needs some help from the outside. Similarly, in America, for example, we have talked about this before uh, when we talked about racism, that in certain black neighborhoods or in certain areas where there is predominantly black uh, population, the investment is not the same. You know, the, the, the government or the, the people in charge and authority do not invest or, or give the opportunity in those areas for those people to excel. And that makes it even harder for people who want to come out of that uh, poverty. I'm not saying that you cannot get out and be successful from those areas. You can, but it's about creating an environment where more people. Because ultimately, I don't understand. You know, the more you 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 help these uh, soci- these people in society that need help, the more successful they can become. The more they can contribute to the society. The more you know, um, uh, the the country as a whole is going to prosper. So I think that's uh, that's also where uh, the focus sometimes needs to be, where we see sometimes that there is not enough focus. Uh, but we're going to continue with uh, with this. Uh, b- b- but we'll, let's go to our f- uh, our first caller for this hour. We're going to speak to uh, Alia Sodi, uh, who is uh, alumni manager at Future First. Uh, thank you very much, Alia, for joining us. Can you hear us? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for joining. Uh, from your in- interactions with young people, um, what have you found to be the benefit of having um, uh, a person who probably dropped out from school return to school and, and, and share their experiences? Mm-hmm. Um, well, firstly, for too many people, their starting life often limits their future. Mm. Um, you know, they don't have access to relatable role models to help them understand what they can achieve. Um, nor the networks or the knowledge and tools to help them get there. Um, you know, and at Future First, we believe you can't be what you cannot see. So former students act as relatable role models, showing students a world, you know, beyond their current experience um, and expectations, you know, but equally a future that can be theirs, you know, seeing someone who went to their school achieve 
um, it encourages them and inspires them that one day they can achieve the same as well. Mm. You know, and we often say that, you know, to young people, you can be like whatever you want to be, but what does that mean? You know, what, what steps do you need to take to get there? And so often those students that come back, you know, they advise on those steps to help them succeed. Right. And what makes a role model more relatable? What do children find appealing uh, in, in today's environment? Um, well, firstly, former students have literally sat in the same seats. You know, they've walked through the same corridors. They might have had the same teachers, uh, took the same bus route. And, you know, more often than not, they come from the local area. So this makes them instantly relatable. Um, which helps to break barriers because often it can be very daunting meeting, you know, someone new for the first time. So, you know, by having someone they can relate to, it allows for a comfortable space which they can have, you know, meaningful conversations, um, you know, about their experiences and their future. Um, and, you know, so it's instantly more personal. And okay. I think by, you know, having someone who has gone to their school come back in um, they're more inclined to listen to that former student because they know they have they share that similar experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and and you work you work obviously closely with schools in building uh, a network. How do you ensure uh, past students remain engaged and committed to uh, this program? Well, alumni networks are hugely sustainable because schools and colleges have a lasting pool of support. You know, as new as um, students leave the school, new students join, um, and they can grow the community of volunteers. Um, so it's a very cyclical process. Um, and often, alumni have had a positive experience at school, and they feel a sense of duty to return to their former school and give back. Um, or they might have even been inspired by a past pupil who have come back in, and so you know they want to do the same. Um, but it's about being flexible. Um, you know, often alumni are in full-time work um, or education, so there needs to be different ways they can get involved despite that. Um, people might have moved abroad, um, and there's also giving them the opportunity to, to support virtually. And, you know, I've had people zoom in, I don't know, from New York into some of the workshops. Um, and then there's also, you know, giving a chance for anyone to contribute. Um, and at Future First, we don't believe that you need to be uh, an A-star student or have the top job. Um, we believe that everyone has the potential to be a role model and we really champion this idea. Mm. Um, and our alumni come from all different walks of life and often have an interest in a unique way of getting there. Um, so this stu- opens students' eyes to the reality that there is no set pathway yeah. and that life might not turn out as you, you know, expect. Yeah. And and everybody who passes exams and and actually gets out is kind of a role model, isn't it, for the rest? Because you look up to you, you want to achieve the same thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And and even those students that you know might not have passed, sometimes they feel discouraged that they don't have anything to share. Yeah. But, you know, everyone has something to share. You know, maybe someone at that school, you know, is going through the same thing, and so yeah, you know coming in to talk you, you never know how even even talk about failures of, of of not passing sometimes but that could still you know should not stop people from trying again and you might have lots of people who have probably passed in a subject or two but they have still gone on to to you know uh, do successful things yeah exactly i think people relate more to failure or making a mistake yeah. um, you know that's what makes us human
Mm. And do you think that um, students here in the UK, I mean, talking about generally outside of your own experience as well, but do you think people generally have, students generally have, our children generally have a level playing field in terms of uh, of of uh, of achieving the career that they want and, and having the the role models that they need to or they want to um, you know be inspired by um well i think uh, you know britain has a deep social mobility problem so i don't think you know every child has that same playing field and i think that's exactly what you know we're at future first we're trying to combat by providing you know, these networks of alumni, they will have those relatable role models, they will have those networks of support that they can access. Um, and then by doing that, hopefully this will combat um, the social mobility issues and level the playing field. Okay, brilliant. Um, Alia, thank you very much for your time. Uh, it was great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Have you been inspired by a particular uh, person um, who who inspired you to to become who you are? Um, do you have a, a specific role model? Do give us a call. Let us know. And how is that helping you achieve or work towards achieving what you want to achieve? Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call. You can also tweet at Voice of Islam UK if you wish to send in your comments you're more than welcome to do so so Safir you know rewards can also be intrinsic which are like satisfaction pride and sense of achievement mm. for Muslims love of God is one such intrinsic which comes from inside his uh, holiness Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed who is the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community st- states about this hmm. love is not pretense or ritualistic rather it is a faculty among human faculties its reality is that the heart likes something and is drawn to it just as the real qualities of something are made evident when it reaches a state of excellence so is the case of love it treasures its treasures are made apparent when it reaches its climax and highest point in fact when a person completely loves someone it is as if he permeate permeate permeates him or consumes him and is imbued with his moral and manners the great the greater the love the more one is naturally drawn to the qualities of his beloved, so much so that he becomes an image of the beloved. This is also the indication when man loves God, he attains God's light on a reflective basis in accordance with his own power. So Nurul Haq part two Rani Khuzain. Nurul Haq stands for the right um the light of truth. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is the writings of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. I mean, he he had great, obviously, being a prophet of God and having great insight into into the philosophy behind love of uh, Allah, the Almighty love for God. And I think, you know, when we talk about role models and when we talk about prophets, I mean, they're in, in a whole different league, you know. Their aim was not to to 
you know, become wealthy and, you know, uh, be, you know, financial gurus or, you know, whatever. Yeah, they, they, that was not their goal. Neither was their goal that people should praise them or people should be, you know, uh, singing their praise. They, they were never interested in that. I think that the reason why they are such great role models for us is that their true purpose in life was to please Allah the Almighty, to please God, and not to please anyone else. Else, that was not their goal. Of course, they inspired, you know, uh, generations and thousands and millions of people because of their 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 pure characters. But the the reason for or, or their up ultimate object objective was to be closer to God. Yes, and that's what the Promised Messiah Islam here is talking about: the love reflected in them you know the, the 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 godly attributes reflected you know through them because they were so close and so uh, much in love with god almighty that nothing else in the world you know uh, meant anything to them wealth yes. careers respect status nothing was important to them what was important to them was that god almighty was pleased with them and that's why everything they did was to serve mankind. Everything that they did was to look after people, to make sure that they motivated people to attain higher spiritual statuses as well, to make sure that people turn towards God Almighty. And they also obviously put so much emphasis on education, of worldly education as well. But the purpose always, they reminded us, that the purpose always is, for all this, is to be closer to God, to discharge your responsibilities in the best possible way. And I think that's what that that is what islam is about that you work and you attain um success in this world you work hard and you 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 attain wealth as well but you do that so you can discharge your responsibility so you can look after your family so you can look after the poor and the needy which is really really important um in islam and and when you when you please allah the almighty then you have achieved your purpose of life so I think that's something very, very unique to prophets, that they do not fall for this world. Uh, they do not focus on this world as many worldly, you can say, role models might focus here, that they want to be, they want to be successful in this world. But the prophets, you know, inspire us to be successful not only in this world, but in the next world as well. Sophia, you know, we have these prophets which were sent by Allah the Almighty that... They tell us you know, have a connection with Allah the Almighty and all that, but they also come, you know, to have a society-based, you know, how society function. Mm. When they come, they look after the needy, the poor. That's what we're talking about today, role models. Yeah, they're looking after them. They're telling education for women, for for young children is a key thing, and all these factors make a great society. I remember, you know, a saying of the. Second Caliph, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmed, he said, "A nation cannot be reformed without a re- reformation of its youth." Yeah. So if we are not looking after our youth, hmm. we are not becoming role models to them. Me or you or all the audience who are listening to us today. Yeah. If you are not becoming role models to them, and these are our, these young youth are the future, which is um, in a couple of years. Hmm. So if we look after them and Inshallah, we'll have a bright future in he- ahead of us. Yeah, I think it's you. You really 
you know, uh, pointed out uh, a very important aspect. And I think that just recently uh, we had, uh, in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in the UK, had a, a, a national uh, program event for the youth uh, specifically. Yes. And at that occasion, His Holiness, the current worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, who is for us, you know, a role model uh, because of his dedication, his work and his spiritual guidance, he guided the the youngsters at this event where you know uh, thousands of uh, youth were present that we should always remember the purpose of our life you know is to serve mankind but also to worship god almighty to have a close connection with allah the almighty to discharge our responsibilities of of worship of of keeping our connection with god alive and that is through prayers so we should we should we have to he encouraged us to to observe our five daily prayers as well as uh, you know following follow the islamic uh, morals of teachings of morals such as speaking the truth you know um looking after um our, our parents uh, looking after the poor and the needy in the society gain education all of these things he um encouraged the youth uh, to and and also to stay away from the evils that we have and the evils could be all of these things that take us away from God. So I think that is very, very essential that uh, our youth and, uh, you know, including obviously everyone else, that we follow and take inspiration from um, our religious teachings, which uh, which goes a long way to um, give us a very, very good platform to lead our lives. And I think Islam is such a teaching which which you know covers almost every aspect of your life you know there's there's literally guidance of everything how to eat how to sleep you know how to how to uh, live a healthy uh, family life how to raise your children how to uh, what to do when you're traveling what not to do when you are you know um uh a lot of these small things you have prayers you know that that gives you guidance okay this is the prayer you should do at this time this is what you should do this is what you should not do so i think islam is a teaching that gives you full guidance and uh, if you follow that you can not only achieve a successful life yourself but you can be role models to other people Indeed, you know safi if for role models time management especially mm. is a key thing you know, we see Hazur, he wakes up in the morning for Tahajjid and Fajr prayer. And then the day goes on and you see, um, I had the chance to see very closely how he managed his time with the, us. The head of them, the head of Muslim community. Yes, yeah. had the time with us, mm. with the community around that area yeah. and his family. And also all the correspondence letters which he gets on a daily basis, which are thousands, mm. answering them. Um, telling okay this needs to be done the key thing sometimes is also time management for us if we can do all of that plus our prayers in that sometimes for uh, for me sometimes it's a bit too much right but when I see Hazur doing all of this that motivates me okay I need to manage my time even better so even these things when you, when you see Hazur on a daily basis you, you, you see that okay time management I need to fix myself wake up for on time get get my day ready I need to know what I'm going to do today have my objectives ready mm. for today and then yeah. look, reflect upon them at yeah. night okay, have I achieved them or not yeah I think it's such an important thing you know prayers 
Yes. Again, a lot of people say, how, how do you manage to do five prayers uh, during the day? How, how do Muslims pray five times a day? How do they get time to do that Indeed. during the day? But Well, I mean, if you look at it, Prayers don't take very long time, you know, five, ten minutes, ten minutes if you, you know, you, you do justice to the prayer. And of course, it comes through different times d- during the day, but it reminds you that, you know, you are at this time of the prayer. What have you done before and what are you going to do after this? So it's a constant, you can say um, it's a constant motivation yes, to, know, to the, work hard. These prayers are slaughtered in such yeah. a nice timings. Early mornings, okay, you wake up, okay, you're ready for your day. And Isha, which is the last prayer of the day, then you can reflect, ponder upon what you have done throughout the whole day. These, uh, Adam, Allah, the Almighty, has all sorted these yeah. things for us, help us out. Yes, exactly. And now, of course, there's so much uh, research going into how important meditation is to be more successful, Indeed. more productive. Whereas 1,400 years ago, that platform was given to us, uh, you know, in Islam by God Almighty, by these five daily prayers. All right, um, 0208-687-7878, what has inspired you? Who uh, is your role model? Uh, do give us a call if you wish to talk about that t- with us today. Um, 0208-687-7878. Amazingly, we are all capable of being reflections of divine light because it's hardwired into our brains. Scientists have discovered we have a mirror neuron in our brains which help us become functioning members of society. It develops um, our neocortex, a part of the brain that makes us human. This part is what we fill up with information and learning how to, for example, tie shoelaces, how to pray, how to do certain movements. Um, and, and the uh, Bandura social learning theory, which was first discovered by Italian uh, neurophysiologist, um, and his team um, at Parma University in 1992, his name was Giacomo uh, Rizzolati. Uh, working with the monkeys, he noticed that when scientists were eating, the neurons in the brains of the monkeys lit up as they watched uh, the humans eating. Those same neurons also lit up when the monkeys themselves put food to their mouths. Work on humans has found that like monkeys, the same part of the brain that watches how to behave is activated when we copy that same behavior. New era era in uh, neuroscience um, uh, in in 2007, a study looking at 12,000 participants over a 30 years uh, period found that people are more likely to gain weight if they uh, choose to be around people who are also overweight. Um, The chances of gaining weight increased by 171% if a close friend had done so. So I think that kind of these kind of studies show us that um, we as human beings are inspired by each other we are affected we are um, what do you call it I can't find the word we are uh, influenced by 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 each other as well so the company that you keep um, has has an effect of f- on you uh, the environment that you are in also has an effect we talked about you know deprived areas and, and people yes. in, in in poorer areas and struggling families that they b- have this environment where where they uh, they they find difficult to 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 find the the motivation to get get out of it so i think that um is really crucial and it all comes down to you know when the child is born even at that time the 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 way that the child is raised um you know uh, the the role of parents 
they are of course they're f- the ch- child's very first uh, role models and i think that's uh, where the crucial element uh, lies is to give the children confidence to give them the best possible education to give them a good environment where they can prosper and uh, the uh, second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community the the second leader of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has written a book actually the way of seekers in which he has explained how important it is to instill confidence in children how important it is to be good role models to them to do um, the right things in front of them so they can mimic and actually follow you in 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 the right uh, on the right path because if they see the parents do something wrong then they will also associate the same thing for themselves if they see the parents doing something good then they will also uh, adopt that and hopefully uh, do that uh, positive thing that can help them later in their careers so sorry i'm cutting you here you know when a child is born you talked about children looking up to their parents you know it's like a mirror when a young child who's like 6 months old yeah sees you do a action or anything he tries to copy you right so yeah. isn't it yeah so we should always not from a very young age help them guide them and tell them okay this is they they're listening yes these babies are listening yeah. they're clever than us i think very clever yes <laughs> they're really clever yeah. and if you tell them something on and this is this and but they can still hear you talking about something else afterwards mm. that was okay for them they would think okay that's right i mm. can say something in front of someone and lie behind the back mm. lie in front of them and tell the truth afterwards right yeah. and tell them something else yeah. afterwards yeah so we have to be really careful we should shape them mm. so exactly i think that's that's very very important again the, um, the the role models for for the children at that very early stage is their parents you know whatever yes. they do that will take uh, part of their life uh, especially sorry we should enable you know, children to think outside the boxes mm. sometimes also yeah. if you just bound them to okay this is it this the narrow road you're just following that mm. you're not showing the light to the left or to the right yeah. you you you're not enabling them to think outside the box yeah. they will be just confined to that one exactly. path exactly exactly giving them confidence that they can you know pursue something themselves learn and as you mentioned think outside the box be creative all of these things are really really important for the future of uh, of uh, young minds um let's go to our uh, next guest we have uh, imam ahmed salman uh, missionary of the amadiya muslim community joining us from puerto rico um good afternoon imam ahmed thank you very much for joining how are you today uh doing good jazakallah for having me jazakallah joining us from uh, a very very uh, long distance how how's uh, puerto rico how's uh, how's your community over there uh the community is good growing uh, alhamdulillah we're just uh, waiting for a tropical storm actually oh really so please remember us in your uh, prayers that uh, is about that's going to pass over the weekend yeah friday yeah, we pray god almighty keeps keeps <laughs> you all safe um um You know we we talk about role models and and motivation in today's show and obviously we have looked at uh, so many different things uh but of course we started off with the program obviously saying that for us you know the perfect role model and in fact for the whole mankind the perfect role model is the prophet Muhammad peace and blessings be yes, upon him whom God almighty obviously himself has said that you know he's uh he's he's the best one uh for us mm-hmm. um 
But in what way, uh, because obviously a lot of people who are listening might, might not be Muslims even, how do we explain mm-hmm. to them that the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was in fact the perfect example for us as human beings to follow? And how did he mirror the divine light that, uh, that, that can shine upon us as well if we want to follow that example? Uh, it's a very uh, beautiful and an uh, awesome question. Uh, many people actually have this uh, uh, misconception about the life or about the persona of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu okay. uh, the, the thing is that in order to see and feel how the Holy Prophet Muhammad mirrored that divine light onto the people uh, or, or showed that, um, again, uh, I, I would... Uh, highly recommend our listeners uh, who are not Muslims to read the the holy book, the Quran, because it, w- the Holy Prophet Muhammad was sent with a message of God. <clears throat> this message was not his own word; it was the word of God. And through that message, one can understand the true attributes of God Almighty. That is why we see the uh, we, when we read the Quran, we we find the ninety nine attributes of Allah Almighty. And then, uh, you know, uh, the way uh, Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace and blessings of God be upon him, showed those attributes in his lifetime. He showed attributes like mercifulness, the graciousness, uh, through, through his life example. That is why the Holy Prophet Sallallahu uh, actually mentioned this, that uh, the status of a man is so high that he in within his household acts as a rub or uh, at one time the holy prophet muhammad uh, also called like the man being rabbul bayt being the master of his house so this is how he showed the, the 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 divine light through his own example to us as muslims and um even Hazrat Aisha, she mentioned this, that if you want to see basically God, you, you'll see it in his uh, practice. You'll see it in the Quran. Because Kana Hulukuhul Quran, he was the Quran. He was the live example of the Quran walking in front of us. Then in the Holy Quran, uh, in, in chapter uh, 53, the star, Suratun Najm, uh, it actually says, that nor it, it talks about generally about all the prophets, but in particular about the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu where uh, the Quran says, nor does he speak out of his own desire. It is nothing but pure revelation that has been revealed by God. The Lord of mighty powers has taught him. So again, we, we have to understand that when a person immerses himself in in God so much so that everything he do uh, does or everything he says comes from God. This is why the, not only in the Holy Quran it is talked about but even the Bible. Now our listeners might be surprised that I'm going to quote the Bible as well in Deuteronomy 18.18 when uh, it mentions that he will only speak with what I command him to speak, you know. So again, the, uh, this was the prophecy uh, given to the Jews that later on I will send you that beautiful prophet who is going to come and speak only in my name, only with my command. 
and that is again reaffirmed uh, within the Holy Quran that exactly it is it was the Holy Prophet who came with that message so again that is how through his message he mirrored that divine light and this is how I uh, when we read the Bible and we see that you know uh, first there was the word uh, the word itself the, the Holy Quran also says this that God said be and it was so kun fayakun so therefore we, we truly see that the way the Prophet Muhammad lived his life uh, uh, we can see the light of God in him that he did not come from uh, or he did not come uh, uh, with a message from anywhere else but God so you see just like the sun you you'll see the reflection of the sun that ch charges the moon and we see the light of the moon so that's the concept here basically and through again uh, I would encourage highly uh, uh, to our listeners that they should read up on the life of Prophet Muhammad to see that example in, in, in its reality Assalamualaikum Brother Imam Thank you so much. You know, you have mentioned the Bible, Deuteronomy 18, 18, even verse of the Holy Quran. But, you know, some people might think it, it, it might be blasphemy to say that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was a mirror of God's light. Could you just clarify this for the audience, please? The, the thing is, it's, it's very important because um, if we see since the inception of Islam, since the inception uh, with the, the Holy Prophet وسلم, receiving the message of God, he started uh, uh, from the beginning with the message of the unity of God. He basically said that there is one God and uh, yes. the Holy Quran clearly states that there is one God and not in three. And then again in Surah Al-Ikhlas, uh, in one of the last chapters, it talks about that uh, God does not beget, or nor is he begotten, you know. And, and furthermore, so we have to understand this, that um, uh, God Almighty wanted to place a religion in the world to re-establish his unity. This is what we see um, in, in the Holy Quran in chapter 48, verse 11, where it says, Verily those who swear, uh, swear allegiance to thee, indeed uh, swear allegiance to Allah. The hand of Allah is over their hand. This is talking about Baitul Rizwan, you know, that happened a uh, long time after when the Meccans did not allow the Muslims um, uh, to, to go and offer Hajj. Uh, perform Hajj, and later on they they parked. Uh, you know, the, all the companions were outside, and right there and then uh, they uh, did a new initiation on the hand of the Holy Prophet So when we are talking to those people, we have to make them understand. They should understand that uh, it, it, it's symbolic gesture. Uh, when when we talk about um, uh, within the Quran, the Quran itself is saying that it wasn't the hand of the Holy Prophet it was the hand of Allah. So God forbid now Allah has a physical hand? Obviously no, it's a symbolism that how everyone united under one uh, prophet of God. 
that is like uniting under God, basically. Even in the Bible, this symbolism has been used when God says, um, for, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. This is in Matthew. So again, um, we, we see this symbolism that the, 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 the prophets, not only the Holy Prophet, but also other prophets before the Holy Prophet Muslim, uh, mirrored or, or, or practiced or showed through their own example. Uh, does that in reality make God a poor person? No. Uh, does God become in a, comes in a physical form? No. It is, it is the reflection that God wants to see or to show how everyone should live their lives. For example, the, 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 the key here is uh, so important when the Holy Prophet especially uh, wrote this in his will, that don't make my grave into a worship place or a place of worship for uh, just like many other people have done so uh, in their own religions. Hmm. So, so we are very clear uh, and, and not only within Islam, but today even the, uh, our Jewish uh, you know, cousins actually testify to this that today there are only two religions in the world who believe in the unity of God, which is uh, the Judaism and Islam. Hmm. So uh, we, we not only uh, say this with, from being within Islam, but others have also attested that uh, it is far from the fact that we are causing any blasphemy. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Imam Ahmed, was... Uh, that uh, the companion uh, Hazrat Abu Bakr, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, was obviously so close to the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Um, I mean, how he mirrored the Prophet's uh, example and, and, and uh, his person. But in general, all the companions of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was were great examples and role models, uh, weren't they? I mean, that's something that, um, you know, um, His His Holiness, the, the, the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has been speaking about in right. his Friday sermons, right, for, for, for years now. Right. The, the, the thing is, um, uh, it's a very good question, and it is for the same reason I, I always tell people that, you know, a coin always has two sides. Um, um, there, there's one side on which we see how Hazrat Abu Bakr, being his friend, actually came forward and gave him that helping hand at the time of his need. Obviously, the Holy Prophet Sallam, uh, at that time knew that God was with him, but he needed that support on earth, right? And the very first person that comes to him and provides him that uh, support is Hazrat Abu Bakr. So again, uh, even though um, we see that how Hazrat Abu Bakr uh, came and accepted him and became his support, uh, 
at the same time, there were other Meccans who saw the Holy Prophet Sallallahu uh, uh, and saw his entire life, but still they, they, they neglected or they didn't accept the message of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu It's like now, this did not only happen at the time of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we see all the, during the time of previous prophets, like at the time of Jesus Alaihi Salaam, at the time of Hazrat Musa Alaihi Salaam, you know, he lived within the family, he knew the family of the pharaohs and everything, but yet some people accepted his message and the other pharaoh did not accept his message. Uh, this is the key, this is the difference where we see um, uh, again, when the Holy Prophet ﷺ was praying that may God, uh, you know, uh, uh, convert or bring Abu Jahl to Islam uh, or Hazrat Umar to Islam. So what happened? We see where Hazrat Umar later on accepted Islam and uh, Abu Jahl was uh, left, left out of it just because of his ignorance, because of his uh, ego. And, and this is why we see that in, in Islam, as human beings, we, are, we have this uh, concept of free will. And being human beings, we are given that, that two, those two options, where we, we have the option to accept or to reject. And, but when we accept and we obey and we accept the reformer or the prophet of that time, then uh, the sky is the limit even higher than the levels of angels that a, that a believer can reach just because uh, angels do not have the uh, luxury of free will. And this is why, um, again, uh, the Meccans, uh, as a person, did not have a problem with the Holy Prophet on on a regular basis because they themselves had... Uh, given the titles of Siddiq and Amin uh, to the Holy Prophet the truthful, the, the most trustworthy. So even even after his prophethood, the, the, the Meccans never took away that title away from him. Uh, but what happened? It's, it's, it's because the concept that he brought, he was seen as the threat to, to the establishment. Because he brought the new religion, which it was to again uh, the, uh, on on the basis of the unity of God, that was very much threatening the establishment that they had of idol worship, uh, idolatry, and they were losing people, they were losing congregation, they were losing funds, and it became into uh, something of an ego uh, more than on a personal level to the Holy Prophet mm. So again, it happens, it happens. It's, it, it, it's part of uh, uh, all the histories we read, that whenever prophets come, they, they, do feel, they do get persecuted, and that is what we see. But again, uh, you, they, we also see how God sends special people to, to help them and support them. Zakla Imam Ahmed. You know, the, the promised Messiah, Salam, who came 14 centuries after the Holy Prophet, وسلم, how could you uh, tell us, uh, if you can tell us more about how the promised Messiah was a mirror of the Holy Prophet? وسلم? You know, it's a <laughs> very interesting question. Many people might think that how can a person 
come and claim to uh, mirror or, or claim to have love, so much love for the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, peace and blessings of God be upon him. Um, the, the, the thing is, we, we see this in the history of religions, not only within Islam, but even in Christianity. We, we notice that when, um, uh, in the Bible, Elijah had mentioned to the Jews that uh, uh, he will come back. But then when he came back, the people again rejected him. As John, uh, later on, they, they didn't accept John the Baptist being the second coming of Elijah. So the thing is, it has already happened in the history where the, the second person that comes to, uh, as a metaphorical second coming of the first person, it is possible. But how is it possible? Um, it is possible only through God's will, right? If God wants it to happen, then he can make it happen. Hmm. Furthermore, another thing is that, uh, again, we are not gods at the end of the day. It's, it's God's will. Allah Ta'ala says it's his, uh, on his command, he will place his prophets in all the uh, countries of the world. Or um, I'm, I'm like, there are words of Spanish that are coming in my mind right now. Uh, the word for uh, country or uh, place is pueblos. So God places his pro- has placed um, his prophets in all of the uh, all the uh, countries of the world. Uh, so it's God's will where He is going to place the next prophet in the world, right? So we are not God at the end. But again, I want to um, explain this to our Sunni brothers that. Uh, sometimes we get carried away with this statement of the Holy Prophet but we see the, the, the amount of love that the Messiah will have for the Holy Prophet through the statement of the Holy Prophet where he says that that he will be buried with me in my grave. Don't you think the Holy Prophet knew that, you know, when the Messiah will come in the latter days, the Muslims will never allow him to open up his grave and bury the Messiah beside him. This was the amount of love that the Holy Prophet showed that he has, he had for the Messiah and the Messiah will have that much love for the Holy Prophet that he will be so identical just because he would follow the footsteps exactly to the extent possible, humanly possible. Uh, and again, he will do this with the help of Allah Almighty. Mm. And, and this is why we truly see, and, and uh, many, many of our Sunni brothers might say that, uh, I'm just talking in words and I'm just making up things. But again, we, we see this love of uh, the Holy Prophet um, from the life of the Promised Messiah. Uh, once he was walking in uh, Masjid Mubarak, uh, you know, and, and uh, one companion came up and he saw that there were tears flowing from his face and he was humming this couplet. And upon asking, the Promised Messiah said, that he was humming the couplet of Hassan bin Sabit. May Allah be pleased with him. He was the biggest, one of the biggest 
poets of Saudi Arabia at that time, of Mecca at that time, hmm. when the Holy Prophet passed away, he wrote this couplet so beautifully. He said, that, oh my prophet, you were the pupil of my eye. So my eyes are now blind after your death. Hmm. Now whosoever dies after you may die. For, uh, for I only feared your death. Yeah, what a beautiful... Uh uh, narration that is uh, Imam Ahmed Salman. I think that is a perfect way to uh, come to the end of our program. We are extremely grateful that you took out time to speak to us. Uh, may Allah bless you for your time and also may Allah protect you, as you mentioned uh, about the storm and the community in Puerto Rico. Thank Jazakallah. you very much for your time. Jazakallah. Jazakallah. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. So we're coming towards the end of our program today. We talked about role models and uh, mirroring um, the inspiration, motivations people have that they want to follow um, in their lives. And we talked about the imitation uh, as well, how important that is, that we learn from what people are doing. And that starts from a child when he's looking at his parents, his environment, and he's imitating that and then we talked about the mirror neuron in our brain that is key to making us human being and that is key to also help us develop and pursue our uh, goals um, and we do not mirror blindly but need to find something that we can relate to and lastly um, the holy prophet of islam was the best example and role model for us and the prophets that allah the almighty send are the best examples for us that we need to follow both for um, our moral advancement, our worldly advancement, as well as our spiritual advancement. So, Jazakallah, um, thank you um, to all our guests who joined us for this uh, program. would also like to uh, to uh, thank uh, Nabila Shah who produced today's program. And uh, Jazakallah and a big thank you to all of you who tuned in to listen to today's program. Um, Saad, Jazakallah, Alhamdulillah, it's been a very good, good program. Jazakallah. Thank you very much. Now over to the news. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.